Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley, and to give you a little behind the scenes of how we live our lives here at the Double Pivot Podcast, Goodman and I do not merely podcast and talk about the world. We have this kind of running chat, this kind of running group chat, all these different things going on, and we have been talking for quite a while about the situation in Ukraine. Goodman, you may know, was in Ukraine, so thus making him particularly attuned to the situation in Ukraine. And on top of that, like we were talking for a while back about how once there was this Russian military buildup on the border of Ukraine, that there was a very good chance that it was not merely going to have impacts on the global politics. It was not really going to have impacts on, again, Goodman's family and Goodman's stuff. Remember Goodman's stuff. But it was also going to have soccer implications, because if a aggressive war broke out, if Russia did some things, which it appeared they were planning to do, which would lead to global condemnation, there was a good chance that global condemnation would take the form of sanctions. And if it took the form of sanctions, you would expect that quite possibly there would be targeting of Russian oligarchs. And if there were a targeting of Russian oligarchs, that would mean a targeting of people who own or co-own football teams. Probably the most significant of these for uh, Premier League fans would be Roman Abramovich. And so we've been sort of waiting for this, waiting for it. And it's all happened nonetheless somehow much faster than I thought. And so that was what we wanted to talk about here because now the war has started. And regardless of what you want to say about the military side of things, we are not going to be doing a military podcast given the fog of war and our, like, complete lack of qualifications. But what we have seen is that in the world of global opinion, and in particular in Europe, this has gone far worse for Russia far more quickly than I think we could have anticipated. It has gone exceptionally badly for Russia, in ways that have turned much more of Western Europe, as well as Eastern Europe, but Eastern Europe somewhat less surprisingly, much more of Western Europe, much more aggressively against Russia in the last several days than I had remotely predicted. And this has sped everything up. Given that, like, and it's important to point this out because, uh, you know, a, a number of the institutions we're going to be talking about are worldwide. That as Western Europe has become much, has rallied sort of uniformly, really, eventually, to be incredibly anti-Russia in the positions they are taking. Those dominoes have led to a number of other places also adopting those positions. Obviously, you've got America, but, you know, Japan, um, you have... South American countries, Brazil voting in the Security Council to condemn Russia, which I think was something that would have been unexpected even a week ago. Um, You have a number of, you know, Southeast Asia, sort of, you know, Australia and and, and New Zealand and and sort of uniformly um, Singapore agreeing to harmonize their positions with Western Europe and the Western world. So you really do have a, a... largely but not completely unified response to this war uh, from from everybody who is not Russia and Belarus. Um, but what that means is that there has been, and we can talk about 
the the sanction package itself that that has been unleashed by Europe and America and that has fought and that the, more or less the world has followed along with has implications for a number of uh, people, Russian owners involved in soccer. But what has also happened is the vehemence of this response has sort of lifted the tide of international organizations. And so all of a sudden there is space and room and demand for entities like FIFA and UEFA to take large, larger actions than we might have expected them to take as we were predicting the fallout of this. As we were recording, FIFA banned Russia from World Cup qualifying. There you go. Um, I think it's an interesting place to start because FIFA got the space to do that because uh, the International Olympic Committee uh, recommended banning Russia from everything. So FIFA was not a first actor. Um, Because before that, they had tried to be like, well, you'll play in neutral territory and you won't use the name Russia. But... Sort of as part and parcel with this reaction, what we saw was not only a top-down government sort of reaction, but a bottom-up player reaction here. Um, Robert Lewandowski for Poland. Russia was Russia is supposed to play Poland, the Czech Republic, and Sweden. And the takeaway here is like these are three countries that were absolutely like going to be at the. I mean, you said when we opened this segment, right? Eastern European, less surprising about this vehement reaction. These are three teams that would have, you know, that it was not surprising to see the members of the teams uh, prioritize reacting to Russia over the World Cup. It would have been perhaps a different story if Russia had been drawn with Portugal or Italy. Two teams that might not have had players and staff and front office personnel who felt personally invested, but also might have like felt much more confident that they were going to win if they played. And so there would have been a, a, a much easier path for FIFA to say, we'll take these half measures, we'll play the game, Russia will lose, and then we don't have to worry about it. Instead, you get this other dynamic. And then that other dynamic gets buttressed by the rest of the world. And then FIFA both is pressured to and has the room to make the decision. Yeah, I, th- I think it's exactly right to really highlight player power here. And uh, Wojciech Szczesny, uh, as, as sort of one of the, reportedly one of the leaders in the Polish locker room, pushing for this, that they did not and, feel that they could like and he's, participate he's, in this. His wife is Ukrainian, in, um, yep. which is not that if you're Polish... You need, like, a lot of... You don't have concerns about Russian aggression. Yes. Um, right. Um, but, you know, FIFA doing a thing kind of takes a perfect storm. But it is not just FIFA in the soccer world. UEFA has yep. made significant steps here. Um, sort of, they... Yeah, like, there, there, there are a number of oil companies have been trying to sever ties with Russian oil and gas interests. And in that context, UEFA dropping its Gazprom sponsorship is not as surprising. Like, UEFA is moving 
after Shell Oil Company and BP are moving. Right. <laughs> like, these are trailing, trailing, trailing indicators of a quite shocking and still hard-to-process shift in global opinion and, and, and global elite opinion that are having a number of impacts on world soccer. And so a lot of this is very much, I think we want to see all of this, like the the striking thing about Russia being banned is how much that came sort of bottom up from the players. But for the most part, this is all happening within a context of a massive shift in global elite opinion. Which is making and, and which is you know certainly buttressed by you know I, th I think that the regular people most places don't seem to care for this invasion, which I find a highly reasonable and sympathetic thing. But it is that in so many uh, areas of power, in so many hallways of power, there has been this rapid shift against Russia that has enabled a lot of new things to happen in soccer as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we should be clear here. Like, a lot of the steps that, that UEFA is taking are basically unprecedented. Like, kicking, uh, I guess it's Spartak Moscow, out of out of this year's Europa League. Just, like, gone. And RB Leipzig gets a bye. Like, that is fairly, un that's pretty unprecedented. Um... You know, I you know there are other steps too. I, I believe that like England made it clear they did not want Russia in any competitions that were in their uh, in their country, and I believe the women's Euros are there this summer, um, and they are Russia is out of that. Uh, you know, IOC, the IOC has called for Russia to be out of all international sporting competitions. Um, so that that is where everything is moving here, and and and. Um, it is oftentimes the case that FIFA and to a, a similar extent UEFA are uh, the conservative edge of where sort of anti-oligarchic politics are. So it is it is a notable marker more widely that this is happening. And then, like, on top of that, we have whatever's going on with Roman Abramovich. And to a certain extent, other oligarchs too, but really Roman Abramovich. Right. And so there has been a lot of Roman Abramovich stuff in the last few days, none of which clearly means anything, but all of which clearly reflects, at minimum, Roman trying to figure out what he's doing in this new context. Yeah. Among the things that happened were Roman's plane, we don't have clear... There has not been any, as far as I can tell, clear reporting of where Roman Abramovich is. Correct. Nobody knows. Moment to moment. But there is, like, Nobody has open seen source intelligence. Yeah. That Roman Abramovich's plane went to Moscow. We also know that, there that, that Putin gathered his oligarchs together and has been, you know, trying to keep this group together in some fashion. But we know that Roman was not present for the TV audience of oligarchs with Vladimir Putin the day after, I believe, the war was launched, the day that the war was launched, whatever the, the, the specific timing was. Right. So, so he, we don't know where he is or has been. There was then 
Also, the but, plane yep. the plane then left Moscow on Monday. Yep. So this is a quick trip, three days, four and, days. And, and Chelsea announced that the that Roman was giving up the quote care and stewardship of the club to the Chelsea Foundation Board of Trustees, which is a completely meaningless set of words. Right, and they did this on Saturday. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Nobody knew it was coming. Like, the club didn't know it was coming. It just, it happened. And, like, there are... The main function of these words is to serve as words that exist publicly. Um, I have questions about whether there are secondary purposes to those words, about laying the ground for future legal arguments should sanctions be forthcoming in some variety. I don't know. Uh, I had... Uh, James Bench, who writes for me at CBS, like, write this up. He talked to a lawyer. The lawyer did not really know. He said, like, I don't think this means anything, but I don't know. Um, and we had reporting that the Premier League had received no paperwork about changes in ownership from Chelsea. Like, they didn't, like, submit this as our ownership structure is any different. Correct. The ownership structure has not changed. The only thing that happens is that Roman Abramovich has said that he is changing his decision-making role with the club for the time being. Um, in a way that does not seem to me to be particularly binding. Nope. No one has released anything that would make it binding in any way. And I don't even know how they could make something binding on the person who is the owner of the club. I don't know. You know? I, I mean, I guess I guess I, I think back to, like, George Steinbrenner being, like, banned from day-to-day uh, uh, -day operations of the Yankees for a while while he was the owner. But, like, Major League Baseball took the step to do that. And even then it was like, eh, kind of. Yeah, and, and and while that statement came out, uh, and we saw a couple of, uh, of of like tweets and reports from from people in the press, and then we have secondarily had reports of Roman's people briefing the press, telling them that Roman is not involved with Putin, he's not involved in politics, and then today Monday it was then reported Monday it was reported that that. Zelensky and Zelensky's people in Ukraine, the Ukrainian government, that is, contacted people who know Abramovich in Israel and asked him to help facilitate the peace talks that have just begun in that have just begun in Belarus. So again, happening on Monday. Uh, and it is exceptionally unclear what any of that means. The, the the most the, the thing that is striking to me is that you know, Roman Abramovich is only someone that is useful to have facilitate peace talks to the degree that Roman Abramovich is someone who has a relationship with Putin that he was denying existed yesterday. Look, I mean, the reality of the situation is that Roman Abramovich historically absolutely has a relationship with Vladimir Putin. Um, that's just like a, that, that's a matter of factual record from the time when Roman Abramovich was a billionaire politician in Russia under Boris Yeltsin. Like this is just, this is just a matter of factual record. The degree to which that relationship persists is not, we do not know. Um, Roman Abramovich has been incredibly litigious in England 
um, suing the pants off people who would argue that he does still maintain a relationship, basically. Um, to the degree that it would... <clears throat> To the degree that it would actually make sense to have him involved in trying to broker a peace between Russia and Ukraine, it would be because he has a relationship currently with Vladimir Putin and could influence him. To the degree that <coughs> it would be personally and professionally advantageous for Roman Abramovich to be seen to be trying to negotiate a peace between Russia and Ukraine, it does not really matter if he currently has a relationship with Vladimir Putin. And crucially, there is no particular information that would lead you to believe that the Ukrainian government has any particular insight into whether or not Roman Abramovich currently has a relationship with Vladimir Putin. Yeah, and so, and, and to what degree this is like, significantly happening? You don't know where Roman is! And we can say, I think that th there have been like, Two or three televised points in the world recently where, in theory, he could have been on TV and he was not. Um, that includes the negotiations between uh, Russia and Ukraine on Monday at the border with Belarus, where they were not videotaped live, but there were stills of, you know, there was videotape up until the meeting started. Roman Abramovich was not there with the Russian team or the Ukrainian team. Um... There was the meeting of the oligarchs with Putin, which was like a televised event on Russian TV. Roman Bramovich was not there. Um, and he is not, I believe, still currently allowed to go to Chelsea matches in England. Um, so he has not been at those. He was at the Club World Cup, which is now two weeks ago, and I do not believe has been seen anywhere on camera since. And, his, and then his plane went to and from Moscow as the war started and then left on Monday. And so what all of that means, I have no idea. There's also there's one other weird Abramovich factoid floating around in all of this, which is that he has an art museum in Moscow that when war broke out, took down its art installations. <laughs> and said it was inappropriate given the suffering. So like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, what we know is that he is trying to manage this politically. Right. And what we don't know is what the various uh, upshots would be if he were to be sanctioned. And he is trying to do lots of different things in the public eye without literally being seen by the public eye in order to put himself in a position not to be sanctioned, which, I mean, has been his political strategy for quite a long time. And he has been divesting of his Russian holdings over the last decade in order to move himself into more, uh, get his money into more stable places while maintaining as many good relationships as he can with people, with, with, with like, you know, people who have power to make a difference in London, in Israel, and various other places. And he has trying, been trying to maintain this. And so one question is, to what degree is he going to be successful himself at not being caught up in each successive list of oligarchs that are getting, uh, that are getting sanctioned? And then on top of that, to what, what would happen if he were? 
And to the latter question, we are, I think, going to get some very useful knowledge on this in the next few days, because Alisher Usmanov is on the most recent oligarch sanctions list. Is he officially on the most recent list? Okay. As we are recording. Oh, oh there we go. Uh, so, Usmanov does not currently officially own a Premier League soccer team. He formally <coughs> owned significant amounts of stock of Arsenal, co-owned significantly amount, significant amount of stocks, stock in Arsenal with uh, Moshiri, who is Everton's current owner. Um, Usmanov's companies also sponsor Everton in, 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 in a handful of obscure and, and complicated ways, which is to say, like, it's not at all clear that Alistair Usmanov is not in some way involved in the, uh, the, the money behind Everton that, that Mushiri spends like he's unbelievably drunk and running out of time to spend money, which maybe <laughs> all of a sudden he's unbelievably running out of time to spend money. Um, so we will see what happens here. Yeah, because, as you know, Abramovich has tried to set up slightly different ownership structures. Usmanov has been pretty aggressive in being having having quite opaque ownership structures. Yeah. And it's not like the Premier League, just like uh, UEFA and FIFA, we would expect to be trailing, trailing indicators of anything happening. I think really the question is what will UK authorities do? with his holdings. Yeah, look, I think that there is a real difference between how Usmanov and Abramovich have approached... Uh, uh, of the legal approaches they have taken to shielding themselves from consequences and responsibility in the West with their money, uh, or potential consequences and responsibility. Um, Abramovich is just... like Abramovich is... The Abramovich approach is... Everything I have ever done is legit. The money that is coming in is legit. And I am legitimately doing these things with this money. And, like, you know, I will fight you if you say otherwise in, 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 in court and through public relations. Like, that is the Roman Abramovich position. Like, Usmanov has never done that. Usmanov, like many Russian oligarchs, has preferred to, like, not care if, like... Like, basically, if you don't think I should have this money, if you think it is somehow illegal or laundered or dirty or whatever, try to come and take it from me through the legal system. And I have lots of money to spend on lawyers. And, you know, in some ways, it's, it's, it's you know, we've talked about the different ways that UAE and Qatar as nations have approached the legal systems of soccer governance in, in Europe. In some ways, that is similar to the difference in how somebody like Abramovich and somebody like Usmanov has approached things. In that, like, Abramovich is, has played sort of pretty religiously by all the Western rules. And, and like, by a wide, by a fairly wide margin. Um, the question is only, is there sin at the source? And he will just contest it. Whereas that is, like, not necessarily the case for Usmanov. Yeah. But at the same time, because he's played it that way, his ownership of Chelsea Football Club is not remotely in doubt. Right. It's not confusing. It's uh, there's, there's nothing like he owns a holding company. He's the sole owner of that holding company. That holding company owns Chelsea FC. Like, that's the deal. 
And so I think that where we stand right now is that this is the context. These things are happening. It seems it, we pray. The, 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 the official position of the Double Pivot podcast is that we hope the peace talks go very well. <laughs> but the considered analysis of both of us is that we are much more likely to be in for at least, a, if not the long haul, which seems depressingly and horribly likely, in the medium term, this is going to keep happening. And I, I don't know how much further the West can escalate, but like the escalations now are already so great that Usmanov is, is, is sanctioned and Roman is very much within the potential space of being sanctioned. And that's not going to change. What we're going to be watching is what it means for a soccer team owner to be sanctioned. And this is, this is pretty new stuff. Um, this has been a place where these, these people have felt very comfortable parking their money. This has been a way to park your money and buy legitimacy and buy access to meetings and, 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 various, and various places, which is quite valuable for someone whose wealth is of, a, of dubious extraction. And these systems have been built within the global financial system to accommodate this because they wanted that money to come in. Bring the money in and we will sell you in, res in, in response to it legitimacy. This is, you know, it, it, it is not that Russian oligarchs have corrupted this system. It is that this system has been built to accommodate them because people wanted that money and didn't care about the, the various potential consequences and the various crimes in, by which that money was acquired. And so here we are suddenly seeing people start to develop consequences for it. And we are going to learn as much as you what those consequences look like in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that is right. And I just like, I feel like we'll probably be back here in three weeks talking about this again after developments, one way or the other. And yeah, we could be back here in a couple of days. Things have been way faster. <laughs> things have been going. <laughs> let, let me tell you, the extent that I have not seen my wife for the last few days, things have been going very quickly. So we, we are going to leave it there with a, you know, we're going to come back to this. And we will be at patreon.com slash double pivot, probably talk about some soccer. But honestly, we might just come back and talk about what happens with Usmanov because I am fascinated and no one knows the answers yet. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers.